0: Genesis 42 everybody, we're on the home front, be there in a year, just kidding, so if you remember last week in chapter 41, uh, Joseph has been in prison, he has been for many years since he was 17 years old, 17 and he's going to be 30 here, that's a long time. To be uh, thrown into pit, to be in prison, to be a man of incredible talent and gifting and yet suppressed, pushed down, oppressed, falsely accused. What in the world is God doing in my life? That's the question. Where are you, Lord? So many times in those situations, we cry out, God, where are you? What's going on? I haven't done anything. Why? What are you doing? And we'll see that God is working out a plan for his purposes and his glory. And even in Joseph's suffering, even in his trials and his pain and his oppression, God is developing a character necessary that will be necessary in Joseph to accomplish the will of God, not only for him, but to be a blessing for the multitudes that surround him. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. And so Joseph is in prison. These two guys, they meet him. They get uh, from the king's court, the cupbearer and the baker. And they have dreams, and lo and behold, Joseph can interpret them. And in three days' time, it would be that one of them would be killed, the, bre- the baker would be killed, and the other one would be restored to his position, the cupbearer, next, uh, next to the king. And Joseph said, hey, remember me when you get out. He didn't. He forgot. And I believe divinely. Because there was some, still some baking that needed to happen in Joseph's life. A little bit more time in the oven. He didn't remember him. And so here we are today in chapter 42. But before that, uh, in chapter 41, Joseph, he's called up when the Pharaoh has a dream He has a dream of seven fat cows being eaten by seven skinny cows and seven full fat heads of grain being eaten by seven skinny heads of grain. He's going, what in the world is this? And then that same cupbearer remembers Joseph and he calls him up and Joseph gets a shave and a new set of clothes and stands before Pharaoh from the prison to the palace. And he stands before him and it's a beautiful verse. Chapter 41, verse 16. Pharaoh says, Hey, can you interpret this dream for me? And, Pharaoh, and Joseph, a very talented, gifted individual, gifted by God, he says, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. This is the moment when Joseph was empty, when he was bankrupt when he did not trust in himself anymore, that God was able to take him out of the pit and put him in the palace to be that vessel that would be used for his glory. You see, when, when we seek to attach ourselves to the glory, when we seek to, seek to attach ourselves to the reason why God blesses, we, we take from him we steal from what is rightfully his and his alone. And it's when we're empty, when we are poor in spirit, that we can be filled with him and used for his purposes. And when people come to you and go, hey, that was awesome, you go, oh, it was the Lord. He is so good. If you only knew who I was. And we direct people to the Lord. It's not that, we aren't gifted or talented in all these things by the Lord. But they aren't the idols in our lives that we like them to be. They are now tools at his disposal. Our lives are now worship. And, you, and you've been walking with the Lord, you know this is a constant, constant daily struggle of denying self and letting the Lord fill us and we follow the Lord, right? This isn't a one and done situation. But there's a pattern in Joseph's life here. And so he, Joseph gives Pharaoh the interpretation because the Lord gave it to him. And the seven fat cows ate the seven skinny cows and the seven fat grains ate the... I'm sorry, the seven skinny cows. Sorry, thank you, Christine. Give me the... No, Matt. <laughs> it's my wing woman. The other way around, everybody. The skinny cows ate the fat cows and the skinny grain ate the seven uh, fat grains. And uh, the reason... It was those were pictures of years. Seven years of plenty would be coming to the land of Egypt. A time where there would be a multitude of harvests, more than they'd had in the past. But that would be followed by a time of desolation, seven years of absolute desolation. We talked about how that parallels the uh, tribulation period in Scripture. In Joseph, he gives Pharaoh a plan of how to prepare for this. Put someone in charge. Put some administrators over all the city. Gather one-fifth of the grain. Gather it in the storehouses. That way we have enough when the time comes. And Pharaoh looks at him him and says, man, you're the guy. In that day, he went from being in this pit, all forgotten, to second in command of all of Egypt. Is that amazing or what? Second in command. He says, except for the throne, it's all yours. Just as it happened in his prison experiences, in his pit experiences, To where everything was given in his charge, yet he was under authority. Joseph would always be under authority. But God continued to grow him in each situation he was in. What's God growing you in right now? What kind of pit or what kind of uh, Potiphar's house are you in? What kind of prison? What kind of palace? He made him in charge, second command of all of Egypt, and he was 30 years old when this happened. His public ministry kind of began at the, the age of 30. Who Whose public ministry began at the age of 30? Jesus. And there are so many allusions to Christ throughout this whole uh, part of Scripture. It's just inexhaustible. Uh, John 5:39 says, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have, they have eternal life. And Jesus says, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Boy, and that sermon, that road to Emmaus, when he sat there with the disciples who did not recognize him, and he gave this Bible study all the way from the Genesis all the way through. And it was stuff like we've been going through, but, you know, Jesus style. Awesome. And their hearts were burning within them as he was speaking. I just... So, dig deep, brothers and sisters, dig deep and look for Jesus on every single page. You know, I love that, that, that quote by Calvin, and I paraphrase it. But, uh, you know, Jesus, he is the milk for the babe, and he is the meat for the man, so to speak. He is the milk and the meat. It doesn't get any deeper than Jesus. How deep do you want to go? He's there. But, chapter 42, when Jacob learned that there, were, there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep just looking at each other? What are you doing? He continued, I have heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. This is the third famine here. And so Jacob is going to send 10 sons. Benjamin's not going to go along, the youngest, who was Joseph's brother, full brother. Going to go down there to buy food with money. As we go through the story, you'll notice that although they try to buy food, with money joseph never accepts their their money does he it's very subtle but it's in there and as we kind of look at the picture of joseph being a type of christ and these 10 brothers being a picture of the type of israel they are israel's son jacob's son and you look at the number 10 interesting the 10 is the law in in scripture i it's just it blows me away that you cannot purchase salvation through the law. You can't buy it. It's something that God gives. You know, can provision, can provision for sin? Can all these things can they be purchased in our own efforts, in our own will, by our own means? No, it's a gift. They will try to give, to earn, to get. Obviously, there's a transaction. there's a spiritual picture here. But Joseph, he never accepts it, and he just blesses them and gives freely to them. I love that. Salvation is free. The law cannot buy salvation. The law wants to purchase salvation through the spending of our own energy, our own will, our own abilities, our own good deeds to earn God's provision for salvation. That is what most world religions teach, like all, all right? All right? You will do these things and you'll reach the level to where you will be accepted. It's the exact opposite. We humble ourselves and he gives freely. What a good God. How gracious. How do we need that? No, the law is a schoolmaster. and We'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. But Israel's sons are going to try to buy it. But Joseph, he never accepts it. And so Jacob sends his 10 sons and holds back Benjamin verse 3 then the 10 Joseph uh, the 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt but Jacob did not send Benjamin Joseph's brothers uh, Joseph's brother with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him no kidding last time my favorite son out went, went out with you guys something bad happened so Israel's sons remember Israel and Jacob same same person the scriptures go back and forth there between his names So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was a famine in the land of Canaan also, a worldwide famine pretty much, a regional famine at least. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold the grain to all its people. And so when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Remember that dream that Joseph had, they're all going to bow down? He doesn't remember it for a, a verse or two here, but they all did bow down before him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11 through 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether you recognize him or not, one day everyone will bow down before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day... The nation of Israel during that tribulation period will once again recognize Jesus as their Messiah and they will bow down just like these brothers are bowing down. That's gonna be an awesome time for them. Very difficult, obviously, but uh, how cool to see the the people of God, God's chosen people, come back to him. And verse seven says, as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to him. What's going on? Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. I love John chapter 1, verse 10. What does it say? It says, he came to his own and they recognized him not. Over the past 2,000 years, the Jews have not recognized Jesus as their Messiah. They did not when he came the first time. But they will the second time. Pretty interesting. Same picture here. Romans 11.25 says that there, there's a blindness over their eyes, the nation of Israel, spiritually. You can show them prophecies. You can read the scriptures to them. You can show these amazing things, but they're, it's just a veil is over their eyes, the scripture says. They're shut off to it. Why is that? Because as a nation, they decided, as a people group, they decided, no, we don't want you. We reject you. And they were shut off, so to speak, from the gospel. Not all of them. Obviously, there are Messianic Jews and, you know, that still receive the Lord, but it's very, their, their hearts in general are hardened. And we, as we read through Romans, we discover that is for our benefit, that it came to the Jews, and because they rejected it, guess what? Guess where the gospel went? Hey, Gentiles, what's up? The gospel came to us, part of God's plan, but he is not finished with the Jews. He will once again, during that last seven years period, begin to deal with the nation of Israel. And that is why the church is absent in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. It's gone. It's not there. Where is it? We're hanging out having a dinner up there. Well, the Lord is once again dealing with uh, the nation of of Israel and the 144,000 witnesses and the seal and the two witnesses and all these things are going on. A time of great revival on the earth. But I was in Israel, and it was my 25th birthday, I remember that. And we had this amazing tour guide, and and he was a Jew, obviously, and and he knew the scriptures, New Testament and Old Testament, just back and forth. He knew all the prophecies. I mean, we're sitting here at these sites, and he is expounding things like, we almost got born again again. I mean, it was awesome. (laughs) I mean, he was going, I'm like, preach it. We're like, oh, my gosh. And just the richness and the fullness, and he was explaining all these things. And we're like, how can you not believe it? And I remember asking him that on the bus and going, how do you not? Like, I'm just amazed. It's right there Isaiah 53. I mean, all these things. And he said, well, the Messiah is going to bring peace. And I looked, I was just going, it's the same deal as the disciples, they were looking for a political savior. No, friend, the first time is salvation. The first time he's coming on a donkey. The first time he came in peace. The sal- he came as a lamb. The second time he's coming back as a lion. And he will have no mercy. No mercy on those who are rejected him. And so today is the day of salvation. You know, pray for our brothers and sisters that they open their eyes. Those, those dear Jews, you know, not necessarily our brothers and sisters, but I want them to be pray for people to have their eyes open to the, to the gospel. There's nothing God can't do, but in general, you see this hardening of their hearts in Scripture. And it's the, tr- it's the same truth with us. When we say, Jesus, no, when God begins to speak to our hearts, and we say, no, God, I don't want you to be Lord of us, over us. I, I reject you. There's a hardening that happens in our hearts. And there's a, a quietness, a stillness, a distance. Not that the Lord is, is not quick to save, but there's a hardening that happens in our hearts. And we hear him less and less and less and less. And then lies come in, they start to filter out the truth. And we're given over to deception. It happens. And it's subtle. And the enemy knows how to do it. He's been watching us. And so, they rejected their Messiah. And for 2,000 years, We've been waiting. And, but on that third, you know, that, that section of time coming up, the Lord is going to deal with him once again. And so pray for our nation who is rejecting God left and right, How ha- has been rejecting God. Say, so we don't want you anywhere. You stay in this little corner as we harden our hearts to him. Just be praying for our, our nation. Be sober, be vigilant, church. Be awake, attentive to his voice. So Joseph, he sees his brother's, But they don't see him. And so he remains in disguise. And he's he's speaking to them in a different language, as we'll see. He's speaking Egyptian to them. We'll see that in a verse or so. But he remains disguised. We see that much like Jesus did. He spoke in parables to his brethren. uh, So that hearing uh, they might not hear and seeing they might not see and all these types of things that he talks about. But it's drawing the intentions out of their heart, as we're going to see, the motives of of their heart. And it says that Joseph began to speak roughly to them. Where did you come from? Why are you here? You guys are spies. It's interesting that in, that in Joseph's questioning of them and his heart's treatment of them, their character, their intentions start to come out. You know, it's sometimes the same with the Lord. We don't like to. We like to have happy Jesus, right, all the time. Happy Jesus, you know, not the guy who whipped, came into the temple and turned things over or spoke to his disciples and said, hey, you know, oh, you, you have little faith. What's going on? We like to have happy Jesus all the time. But you know what? I think we, we cut God short when we don't see the full picture of who he is. You know, there's a purpose to the rough schoolmaster. There's a purpose to the law in Scripture, and it reveals who we truly are. It reveals that rebelliousness in our hearts, that opposition towards the Lord, opposition towards the Spirit. It, it brings out the junk. And as the law is put in front of us, we start to, no, no, no. And, or, and we, start to, we start to think things through. It just, it stirs up the waters of our soul. And what it's designed to do, that roughness of the law, is to bring us to a place to realize who we truly are and that we need a savior. It's to drive us into the kindness of God. I love that about the double-edged part of the sword. To bring the inner workings of our heart out, to reveal what, that we need to be saved. You know, Joseph could have killed him on the spot. Couldn't he? He could have just said, hey, these guys are punks, they're gone. He could have killed them on the spot. And would they have deserved it? Absolutely. But that wasn't Joseph's motive, was it? His motive was mercy. He desired to give mercy. But he's not going to give mercy out until there's a work in their heart. He wants to draw something out of them. A recognition on their part of what was going on. And this is what's happening with with Joseph. And this is what happens with the Lord. The Lord desires to forgive us of all our junk. And sometimes, you know, when the Lord's dealing with us, it seems harsh. The, The junk comes out. The stuff comes up. It's not as gentle as we'd like. But when the Lord does his work in us, there's something sweet that happens. There's a forgiveness. There's a righteousness that comes about. When all that stuff gets brought up and we finally realize, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Help me, God. Please help me. He is forgiven much, loves much. And that's what he desires to do in the heart of us. Man. And that's what I love about the, the word and the sword and these things is they bring up the bitterness in, in the the. the you know, and people don't like to do that, do they? We like to talk about the happy things all the time. You know, and, and while I love to teach, you know, topically and stuff, my tendency when I teach topically is to go to the things that I want to hear about, I want to talk about, that reinforce the happiness. And Jesus, he's, he's all about my heart, where my heart is, where it's going. And sometimes, by the way, that's not good, just to let you know. And he brings that out to clean it up so that we have restoration and fellowship. My motives, why I'm doing it. Boy, and that's what the word of God does. Second Timothy 3.16, kind of like a second gospel. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and training. Two out of those are not too happy. How many of you like reproof and correction? Love that part. Thank you, Jesus doctrine and training, they're all a little rough, aren't they? They are a little rough. But I have seen God when we respond to the word, there is a brokenness in our hearts and just a, a sweetness that comes in. And there's a love, there's a there's a there's a fruit from that as we respond to his word working in our lives. And that is so precious and that is what is happening here in the lives of these brothers as Joseph is speaking these questions and kind of pulling out. Where are you guys really? What's really going on? Have you changed? Or are you the same old guys? What's going on? So Joseph speaks rough and he questions them. Verse 9, and then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, hey, you're spies. You have come to see what our land is that it's unprotected. Uh, No, my Lord, they answered. Your servant has come to buy food. We've just come to buy food. We're all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men. We are honest men, not spies, really. Either they are lying or they're deceived or they've changed. And it's through this back and forth that their perception of who they really are is coming is gonna to come to light. The same with us and the Lord. We think or we say, hey, Lord, we're, we're honest men. We're, the, we're here. And the Lord knows exactly who we are. Oh, we're honest men, we're not spies. Okay, let's, 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 let's get into it. Let's find out where you are. Not to rub us into, into the carpet, to, but to constantly be needing to realize that our need is, is in him. We have no self-righteousness whatsoever. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, hey, your servants, we're, we've, we've come. Uh, we're, we're, we're 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan, and the youngest is now with our father, and, is, and one is no more. Do you care to expound on that one that is no more? I doubt they'd want to. But verse 14, Joseph said to them, as I told you, you are spies. I don't believe you. You're not honest men. And how, and this is how you'll be tested, verse 15. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this, pal- this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get to your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your word may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. I suspect jo- Joseph is thinking Benjamin is probably the favorite and he's not going to be corrupted by these other guys. So bring him back here, and if that's really what happens, if he's still alive, then I'll be able to trust you more. And he put them all in custody for three days. What in the world, three days? I wonder how long Joseph was in the pit. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. But when I, I tend to think it was probably more than a day, probably two or three, because we see that Reuben... Reuben was there, and then all of a sudden, Reuben is gone, and then they sell him, and then he comes back and goes, Hey, what did you do? You know? So there might, there's a little time delay there. It's subtle, but who knows? But three days. Sends him for three days. I think that is an interesting amount of time. You know, they're in custody, they're in a situation they can't get out of, they're kind of trapped and during that time they have time to think and their hearts are being convicted their hearts are wondering why are we in this mess and they start to start to, comp- to contemplate god actually is what happens some of us have, have been experienced have experienced custody i know some of you literally have but i'm talking about the custody of finances the custody of poor health the custody of of uh, relationships that aren't working too great the custody of harsh employment Bad situations, poor life decisions, whatever it might be, and we're kind of stuck. We're stuck. You know, it should be an indicator for us to to slow down and to seek the Lord and to pray and to think upon Him, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to show me? What's going on in here? Sometimes God slows us down because He loves us. And we might feel like all around us things are horrible. Why aren't these things working? When actually God is working out something deep within each of us. He's working out something more precious than you could ever imagine. And in time, the Lord will speak and he's going to give you instruction for life. On the third day, Joseph speaks and he says, Do this and live. Do this and live. Any of you caught in prison this morning? Slow down. What's going on in your heart? Take note of it. Bring it before the Lord. Let him speak to your circumstance in your life. Let him speak to you. And when he speaks, do this and live. Do it. And that's exactly what they had to do. They had to bring their younger brother to him so that your words may be verified that you may not die, right? And they said to one another, verse 21, surely, while they're hanging out there in the, in the three days of custody, surely we are being punished because of our brother. What's been on their mind for these past 20 years? They're having a guilty conscience. They have undealt with sin. And they're all trying to hide it. They've all been trying to hold on to it forever and ever. 20 years. And now this circumstance in their life is bringing it up again. And they can't get out of it. Praise God. Praise God. We think that our sins can be hidden from the Lord. We think that these things in our lives can just be pushed under the rug. The Lord loves us too much to let that happen. He loves you too much to let that quirk go on forever, to let that lie go on forever. He wants to bring it out because he wants to bring a blessing. These brothers, they deserve death, but what they will get is life and refuge from famine that would kill them otherwise through Joseph. What's the Lord doing in your heart today? What's He doing in your life? Or are we so quick to, quick to escape? Are we so quick to run and not listen? I encourage you, brothers and sisters, this week to seek the Lord. Wait on Him. Get together with some brothers and sisters and say, Guys, this is what I'm going through. Gals, this is what I'm going through. What do you think God could be saying? I need help. I need prayer. I've got this thing going on in my heart and my mind. And what you'll find is when you begin to share with other people, it's not, oh, my gosh, banish them to outer darkness. You too? (laughs) Cool. I thought I was the only one. And the enemy likes to get you by yourself and tell you a bunch of lies and tell you that you are the only person dealing with this and everybody hates you. Man, we got crud going through our lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he wants to isolate you and put you in a corner and feed you a bunch of junk. It's good to be here on Sunday morning. It's good to be together throughout the week. It's good to be in the Word. He loves you. Don't let the enemy get in there and it out. You know what I'm saying? Get together with these other light shiners and and edify one another. Sometimes it's going to be rough speak. But I tell you what, the Lord is disciplining you and encouraging you for a blessing in your life. I want to stop there because otherwise we get into a whole other part. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for these brothers that we get to look at who've murdered whole villages, who have thrown their brother in a pit and sold them into slavery. Lord, they're as guilty as any one of us. And yet, you have a plan and a purpose to bring them salvation to the very one whom they they crucified, so to speak. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, thank you so much for your love. And Lord, thank you for the rough schoolmaster, for the schoolmaster that drove us into your arms, that drives us into your arms. Oh Lord, the weight of the law, we can never keep it. And how we need your grace, just your mercy, your provision, you freely give. We have nothing to offer. Our silver and gold can't buy it. Our talents, our gifts, our whatever it is, it just can't buy it. Will you freely give? Will you give to us undeserving people of your provision this morning? Thank you. Thank you so much. Because that is who you are. You are a God that desires to give mercy and not take sacrifice. Lord, We love you this morning. Be with your people this week. Pour out your spirit upon them. Guide them, bless them, encourage them. And in the middle of the prison, Lord, I pray that they would be singing praises. In the name of Jesus, amen.